You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let us get into God's word this morning. Praise the Lord. Before we get into God's word, today is Mother's Day. Or let me rephrase that. Today is Mother's Day number 300 in 2023. Because I've lost count of how many Mother's Days we've had. But happy Mother's Day to every mother and incoming mother present. Hallelujah. I pray that you truly experience the joy of motherhood. And for those of us that have children... Your children will not bring sorrow to you. Amen. They will be true bundles of joy for Amen. you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. For those of you that are not mothers, the Lord will do it for you when you are ready. Amen. Say louder, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. All right, let's get into God's word. We've been examining the conversation around living a life of purpose living a life of purpose living a life of purpose and we started last week with some important conversations conversation number one purpose is more about the creator than the created hallelujah if the created does not satisfy the creator then the created has not worked or walked in purpose i think that makes sense right if you make or you buy a thing for a purpose and the thing doesn't fulfill that purpose it doesn't matter if the thing feels okay or feels good or happy (laughs) to you who bought the thing it was useless Are we together? Good. So, we ended the teaching by reading Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Um, The latter part says, For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Raise your hand if you are just discovering that that's what that song says at that part. Don't be shy. I too had that moment in my life. Because when we were young, we used to sing, Thou art worthy, O Lord, worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, sing with me, and, and power for thou hast. All things are for thy pleasure. I didn't know what it used to say before. Until I discovered it was a verse of scripture we were actually singing. I just, they are and were created. But we were created for God's pleasure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to speak on a second aspect of the conversation today. And to introduce it, I will start from here. A popular scripture that we all know, and it's um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
the NIV says, be diligent. Be diligent. I think it's either the NIV or the NKGV. Be diligent. Now, why is, why are we starting here? We're starting here because I want to first of all establish that there, there is the need for diligence in spiritual growth. A number of people, or let me start like this. A couple of days ago, I put, I put out a post on my Instagram page. And I said, how can I pray with you today? Send me a DM. And a lot of people sent me DMs. People are looking for who to pray for them. A lot of people sent me DMs. I had over 40 DMs that day. A lot of people sent me DMs, um, you know, to pray with them. And a good number of them would say two things. Um, a pertinent problem that they have in their homes or in their finances or career, just a general problem. And then most of them would usually say, and I want to get closer to God. And I would pray. I would send a prayer and pray with them later. But I would also let them know that uh, <laughs> spiritual growth is not a prayer point. <laughs> just like physical growth is not a prayer point. Provided or ceteris paribus, every other thing being equal, will just grow. If you give yourself over to growth, have it together. Same way, spiritual growth is not a prayer point. It's not something you pray about, oh, Lord, I want to be a giant in you. I want to grow in you. No. It requires diligence. Say diligence. Some things require digging deep to discover. Raise your hand if you did further mathematics in school. Raise it above your head. Be proud. You are a genius. Don't let any, even if you failed, you tried. You are courageous. Raise it above your head well. Thank you. Put it down. Something happened when you started further mathematics. When you got into school, Everybody told you for that maths will be the bane of your existence. It will kill you. But you told yourself, I want to be an engineer because you saw Dexter's lab. And someone told you that Dexter is how you is, you know, the next thing you should be in your life. So you lied to yourself, I want to be an engineer. And then to be an engineer, I must do further mathematics. So now you are in further mathematics class. And everybody has told you, I swear this thing is hard. Like, mm, okay, let's see. Is it not mass? Now, your first class, they teach you thirds. How many of you remember that? Thirds, the roots, roots, this plus roots, this. And like, this is not hard. This is pretty simple. I can get along with this. Then they introduce calculus. Now, the day they introduce calculus, they introduce the early part, differential calculus, which is somewhat easier than integral calculus because integral calculus is from the pit of hell, right? So, they introduce you to differential calculus. They're like, is this the calculus they've been talking about? Then they now start teaching you limits. Then integral calculus. And then you realize that life is meaningless. <laughs> That's when you start asking questions like, what am I going to use this thing for in life? <laughs> I'm saying all of that to say this. When you started, it was an introduction. Are we, are we together? And it would be foolhardy to 
go through the introductory class and assume you know everything you need to know. Are, are you with me? Some things are so deep that an introduction to it will not suffice. You need to go deeper. Some conversations are so deep. You need to go deeper. Some things you've heard in your life, when you heard it, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But with time, it started making sense. There was, there was a quote, an adage, um, that I used to hear. I think the adage is something around the lines of the future of the man is in the boy. Or something like that. It, it made no sense to me for the longest time. Until I became a man. And I realized that what they are trying to tell you is that the actions of the boy will determine the future of the man. It's a very simple thing. Sometimes just going deeper will help you understand a few things. It's the same thing with purpose. A lot of us have a surface idea or surface level knowledge of purpose. Meaning, we don't really know the thing. We think we do. We think we've discovered it, but we don't really know it. <laughs> we don't. And so, it tells in the way we live our lives. Do you know how important the conversation of on purpose is? Listen, every religion in the world exists to answer two questions. Just two. Number one, the meaning of life. And number two, the end of life. That's eternal destiny. Is there an, an afterlife? Every religion, that every proper religion that exists, because some people have decided that fashion is their religion. You love fashion, but it's not your religion. Every proper religion that exists, exists to answer those two questions. The first question is a question on purpose. The second question, interestingly, is a question on purpose. Because I want to know the meaning of my life here. And then I also want to know, if I die now, where am I going to? And I want to know these two things, because if there's somebody I have to be accountable to, am I doing the right thing? Question of purpose. Question on purpose. Which means that Jesus Christ, one of the things Jesus came to do was to give your life a purpose. He came to give your life meaning. I saw someone's reply to a tweet yesterday, and it, it made me happy. The person said, what, tell me one thing church has done for you. And the reply was, it gave me meaning, purpose. Christianity will give you purpose. Say loud, amen. amen. So, our inquiry around the subject of purpose or our teaching around the subject of purpose is important. It's important. Praise Jesus. You read stories of these men in the Bible and the Bible tells us their stories are for our example. That's um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6. Their stories are for our example. So, when you read Abraham's story, you may get carried away by Abraham's material success. But if you don't understand 
Abraham's life and the point of his story, you will conflate the idea that you will conflate his success for his purpose. Let me tell you, success is not always purpose. I'm talking about success, you know, on the superficial level now. I drive a good car, I have a good house. It's not always purpose. It's not synonymous with purpose. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. Let's do a very, very short commentary on Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 2. It says, For by it elders obtained a good report. That is, these men that the book of Hebrews speaks about, many of them lived their lives and died and stood before the one who gave them the life to live and the person said, you've done well. They obtained a good report. Now, look at, um, I think, verse 4. Give me verse 4. By faith, okay, this is Abel, um, 5. Just, I'll keep going down because... Six. I'll come back to this later. Seven. You know what? Find me Abraham's story. I think it's 11 or 10. Eight. Okay. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. Do you know <laughs> that Abraham's faith story wasn't that he became prosperous. Many of us, for instance, would, you know this man is a man of faith, when maybe the man tells you a story like, the Lord told me to invest XYZ amount of money inside XYZ place, and now that investment made me 6,000 X. That is, I got 6,000 times what I invested. So if I invested 1,000 naira, I got 6 million back. You know, something like that is a man of God. You're a man of faith. How did you know? But Abraham's story on faith was that not knowing the future and not knowing the, um, the um, what's this word? English feels me. The certainty of success, he left. <laughs> That's the story of faith. That not knowing the future or the certainty of success, he obeyed. So, you may be reading on purpose and you say, God, I want to discover my purpose like Abraham did. Abraham was such a rich man. He was so rich that Lot took half of his cattle and went somewhere else and became a rich man on half of his cattle. You know, you know, when, when something like that happens, the person is rich. You have money. That you go through a divorce, your wife takes half, you are still rich. Ah, you have money. Some of us, if they take half of what we have, we are nothing. <laughs> so you say, God, make me like Abraham. And Isaac sold in the land. And, and Lord, make me like Isaac. Abraham was a man of purpose. I too want to be a man of purpose. Do you know that interestingly, the same chapter that references Abraham references Moses. And what was Moses' story of faith? I think verse 24. <laughs> verse 24, please. 
It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Maybe you don't get it. You know how in ancient times, you had dynasties that ruled the world. At the time, Egypt was world ruler. If you were Pharaoh's grandson, I, wealth, unspeakable riches, unspeakable riches. So it is said that those pyramids used to be um, topped off with a capstone that was made of, I, 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 I'm not very sure, but I think they said it's white gold. Now, the capstone that topped off the pyramid is not a small one like this one. It's huge. could be the size of a house made entirely out of white gold. These, and they had several pyramids. That they had money they didn't know what to use to do. And then you wake up and your mother tells you that, do you know that I'm Pharaoh's daughter? That means you are Pharaoh's grandson. Then because you saw a burning bush, you now say, I'm no longer Pharaoh's grandson. The burning bush, the bush would like to burn you because... <laughs> So, on one hand, one person, by purpose, stepped into a lot of wealth. On the other hand, one person, by purpose, stepped out of wealth. One person, by purpose, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. And your children will be like the children of the seashore. Sea, sure. English is hard. Right? And so, stepped into wealth. Another was called out of wealth to live in the desert and wilderness for 40 years before he now went back for the children of Israel. By purpose, the same purpose. One of you wrote something on your WhatsApp status this week that when you follow Jesus, he makes everything soft for you. I messaged the person and I said, no, please don't laugh. I messaged the person and I said, I didn't teach you that one. No. I didn't teach you that one. There is a fundamental lesson on purpose that you must learn, and it is this. Purpose will many times require that you deny yourself. And in the body of Christ today, many of us, we are motivated by happy endings. That's what we are motivated by. Happy endings. That I will do it, and then God will somehow work it out. Listen, let me tell you something. Some of you, God will call you into ministry. Say amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, for some of you, it won't be to plant a church like this. It will be missions missions and it's not to the United States it's to the very very own United States <laughs> it'd be missions too are you with me and it's still purpose because remember our purpose is to please him and so if his instruction for me is to jump then I will ask how high I'm not going to say, God, if I jump, will I go higher? That's I will jump and stay there. 
Some people say in the kingdom, you don't go up and come down. You go up and stay up. No. Sometimes, God, listen, there was a fundamental lesson Jesus was teaching. When he said, a rich young ruler came to him and said, how, how do I attain the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, he said to this man, keep all the commandments. And the man said, all the commandments I have kept since my youth. There is none that I have failed. Jesus said, okay, good. Sell everything you have and follow me. Jesus didn't have a problem with the man's money. Jesus was revealing something else. There is a fundamental part of walking in purpose that would require denying self. Denying self. Denying pleasure. Do you hear what I'm saying? And many in the body of Christ are not ready to hear this thing I'm saying. Many people are not. Many people are not. We want, we want to come to church and be told that don't worry, you will blow. You will make it. Can I tell you something? God is interested in your comfort. He is. God is interested in your enjoyment. The Bible says he gives us all things richly to enjoy. It's true. Even if the all things has a context, it is still true. Do you hear what I'm saying? But many of us will never have, will never blow to the degree of you are now having 600 million in your accounts that you are not using. And that's okay. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you are just like, ah, hold on, my chair. <laughs> Some people, some people said, I agree, many of us, but not me. <laughs> and I, I don't, listen, again, I don't have an issue with being successful. I'm just teaching you that success is not synonymous with purpose. You can have all the accolades and still not be walking in purpose. So when we're praying, you know, when we pray that prayer, God, let me work or walk in the center of your purpose for my life. Many people, we have a vision of what that center of purpose, you don't still get the prayer. You can't have a vision, like your own idea of what his purpose is for you. You go and catch his own idea. Purpose is not, is not um, manufactured, it's discovered. Do you hear what I'm saying? It, it, it's not something you determine. So now, the way I've looked at things, my purpose in life is this. No, 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 no. You discover it. <laughs> you discover it. And today, while I'm teaching, I want you to think both purpose as in living to please God, and the assignment that is a subset of that purpose. Are you with me? The assignment that is a subset of that purpose, the assignment that is found within that purpose. Because if many of us understood the theories and the doctrine around purpose, we would perform our assignments better. 
So are you ready for the teaching? All right, let's get to it. So I've said purpose is not synonymous with success. Is that correct? Number two, purpose is not synonymous with happiness. Purpose is not synonymous with happiness. Like, listen, it was Jesus' purpose to die. <laughs> Do you know? And when he was praying, my God, if it be your will, let this cup pass over me. He, it wasn't a spiritual experience. He wasn't saying it so that, you know, we will now quote it later. No. My man was really praying that, is there any way I can go without doing this thing? Because nobody is happy to die. Life is sweet. Even when it's tough, it's still sweet. Are you with me? Oh, um, I was watching, um, SLK is a friend, so I was watching his um, comedy show yesterday. He was telling about some guy that wanted to commit suicide on the, on the Odrelegba Bridge, and he wanted to jump over the Nigerians, and I started stoning him in order to stop him from Nigeria is the worst place to be suicidal. Do you know that in Nigeria it's a crime to be suicidal? Like if you try to take your life, they will treat you. They'll carry you to police station to go and I think there's a number of years that you, you sleep in prison for for trying to kill. <laughs> right? <laughs> so this guy they were stoning. Who wanted to kill himself was now within distance. <laughs> Because life is good. Jesus didn't want to die. He, he knew it was his purpose, though. He knew a long time. When he was telling them, look at this temple, fall it down. Three days later, I will raise it up. It's looking like Jacoban. Oh, yeah, it's time to fall the temple down now. If it be your will, let this cup pass by me. Because he didn't want to die. Purpose is not synonymous with happiness. Hallelujah. Listen, let me tell you something. You will experience peace when you are working in purpose. There will be peace. In fact, there will be joy. And I must, I must define for you what joy is. Joy is more than an emotion. It's more than euphoria. Because many of us think that happiness is happiness, then joy is euphoria. That extreme happiness, yeah, that's joy. No. Joy is peace. <laughs> Do you understand? Joy is satisfaction. So yeah, in purpose, you will see and find a lot of joy and peace. Are you with me? The kingdom of God is not in meat and in drink, but it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you will find joy and peace in, in purpose. But you see happiness, you won't find it there. It's not always there. And it's not the main thing. Yes, sir. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Sometimes in carrying out the assignment that points in the direction of your purpose, there will be a lot of reasons to feel sad and dejected. Are you with me? There will be a lot of reasons to feel sad and dejected. 
Statistics have shown that pastors are some of the most depressed people in the world. Did you know? The room is awfully quiet now. Please don't pity me. I'm not depressed. Yeah. And there's a reason why. Any profession in the world hmm, that depends on the satisfaction of other people for your success is a depressing profession. I'm telling you the truth. I, I heard Trevor Noah say that. I, I thought about it and I think it's true. When you stand before people and you crack jokes and you judge on your success by how, how much they loved you. Because some people don't hate you because of your jokes. They will admit his jokes are pretty good. I just hate him as a person. What did he do to you? Nothing. I don't like his face. One of the reasons pastoring is hard. <laughs> One of the reasons it's hard. If you think it's easy to preach, come. Right? <laughs> yeah. Another reason why pastoring is hard is a lot of people, especially in this generation, because our parents, you would hear our parents say, I've been attending this church for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. Our generation. I don't know many people that have stayed in one single church for more than two years. I don't know many. Well, there are many in church here now, but outside of Circle Church, I don't know many. I know a lot of people that church hop. You are in Circle Church today, tomorrow you are in Saints Community Church, then CCI, then um, Covenant Nation, then Harvesters, Harvesters, <laughs> then Christ Embassy. You are just jumping up and down. And as you are going around like that, you are breaking pastors' hearts. It's true, it's true. That's why a lot of pastors don't get close to church people anymore because they will soon go. Like a lot of pastors, um, um, Bishop Oyedepo wanted to, was it Ibiumir that went to meet Oyedepo that somebody was about to leave and Oyedepo told him that nobody is your own. They will come and they will go. No who don't too dearly to anybody. So that amount of commitment you are, you are asking your pastor for one of the reasons why he can't give it to you is because of church hurt. I laugh. Now, I don't underplay the effect of church hurt on people, people who have been abused by pastors and everything. But nobody faces church hurt more than pastors. Nobody. Trust me, nobody does. But it's our assignment, though. It's part of purpose. Ask many pastors, if you had the opportunity to not pastor, you can keep preaching God's word, but you are not pastoring people. Will you do it? Most pastors will say yes. What is the most difficult part of pastoring? You would think it's the administration. No, it's people. It's our assignment. It is a subset of our purpose. It is a way we fulfill purpose. Many of us, does, it doesn't bring happiness every time to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there's joy. Do you get it? There's joy when you see somebody who um, was captive in sin and you've pastored this person for a while and a few weeks, months later, this person is strong believer. Ah, there's joy. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's the joy. That's the joy we feel. Happiness has nothing. Paul was not happy when he was in prison. It wasn't, it's not like when they arrested him, they say, we'll arrest you now. They say, wow, glory. <laughs> it 
wasn't happy. <laughs> Purpose really doesn't have anything to do with happiness. So whether you are, so you see that advice, do what makes you happy. Terrible advice. Terrible advice. Terrible. Terrible. You've truly started to live like an adult when you learned that my happiness is not always important. Many of your parents understood this thing. They stayed in a... See, our generation, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Your parents stayed in the same work environment, trying to earn a lot of money. Why? They had you to feed. Now that you are older, they sent you to school, and you can think, you now say, I didn't ask them to make those sacrifices. Could you have asked? Did you know enough to say, I don't want? Don't you know that the only reason you can think like that now is because they taught you how to think? They spent money to make sure that you are logical. Because trust me, not many people are. It is difficult. There is a very good correlation between literacy and logical reasoning. I hope you know. Good correlation between the two. But many of them understood that to live life must, it, it means to live in sacrifice sometimes. A life lived without sacrifice is a life wasted. You would waste it on so many pleasures you ought not to. It's not about happiness. Do what makes you happy is terrible advice. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's terrible advice. Because sometimes immediate happiness sacrifices long-term joy. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you'll be happy right now, but be sad later. Has that happened to you before? So you begin to wonder, what was the point of being happy back then? Raise your hand if your parents sent you to a university you didn't want to go to. Raise it above your head. If you went to see you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't even pretend. Don't tell me that you loved God, you wanted to go. Raise your hand. Thank you. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if now that you are finished, you are thankful you went there. Look at, just look around you. Do you know, do you know, you can put your hands down. Do you know that if they succumbed to you, because many of us didn't want to go to university after secondary school. We didn't want to go. We thought we knew what we wanted. Uh-uh. I can play football now. Uh-uh. In, my, in school, they used to call me Capo or Young Messi. I can play football now. I'll just apply to Pepsi Academy. From there, before you know what's going on, I'm playing for Arsenal because that's how Arsenal used to hire players. <laughs> for some people, it's music career. I can, uh-uh. Have you heard me sing? Lucifer is shaking where I am. <laughs> do you know, if your parents indulged you, do you know that by now you question them? You say, I was only a child. How could I have known what I wanted? So we all agree that there is a fundamental aspect of life that must deprive us of happiness for future satisfaction. Purpose is not happiness. Purpose is not about what makes you happy. Say, if what you are doing does not make you happy, stop it. 
Ah. Raise your hand if you have a nine-to-five. <laughs> raise it above your head. You are privileged. Raise it. Raise it. If your nine-to-five keeps you happy every day, put, you keep your hand up. Wow. You don't have a nine-to-five mobile. You are a businessman. <laughs> no, but think about it. Say, do what makes you happy. If you don't make decisions in life based on purpose, you will regret many of the decisions you make. Even who you marry should not primarily be made on, does it make me happy? No. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. The person that you marry, you, you must not be the center of that person's life. And the person must not be the center of your own life. If that's the, if that's the case, you are in trouble. There has to be something higher than the two of you that gives both of you direction in that marriage. There has to be. Because right now, the, the, the version of you that is the center of the person's life is not the complete version. Are we together? It's an ideal, a romanticized version. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know I love you, Ba, because I'm about to shade you big time. <laughs> Before we got married, my wife always smelled like roses. Every time. Like, every time we met up, she smelled so good. And she still does. Outside. In the house, it would be weird for her to just wake up in the morning and put on perfume. <laughs> right? Right? But imagine if my vision of this woman is wig all the time or made hair, smelling like roses, well-dressed. <laughs> I, think, I think women should be studied. The, trans, the transformation is greatest. You know men, most men wake up, bathe, and wear the shirts they wear out inside the house. Am I saying the truth? So, there's no real difference between the man at home and, especially if the man doesn't wear things like kaftan or suits outside. All he wears is just t-shirt and jeans. Most men wake up and wear the same t-shirt and trousers that they wear to go out in the house, and they're fine. But women, though... <laughs> so, so, now... You have created an ideal in your mind. Do you know that this is why most people fight in the first few months of marriage? Why are you always, the way you are dressing at home, should, should she wear makeup in the house? <laughs> imagine if, imagine if what you picked her for were just the looks. Then you will now get home and realize that part of the looks were augmented. She's fine, though, but augmented reality. <laughs> you, you, you feel scammed. <laughs> See, live happiness, though. Have sense. <laughs> Your emotions are very, very terrible. Like, it's not good for them to lead you. They make terrible leaders. <laughs> terrible leaders. Purpose is not about happiness. I've just saved somebody's marriage now. 
that thing that the girl has been trying to tell the man, I've said it. In her mind, she's like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but please, ladies, this does not mean that you not throw all caution to the wind. Please behave yourselves. I don't know, I don't know where, where we were told, men, men, that ladies like to be clean all the time. Loki, some of these girls are not very clean like that. Ah, I like the silence <laughs> I've exposed you. <laughs> they are not dirty people, but they are not what you think. So, so you, are, you are a disorganized person. You not think that when you marry, your house will always be clean. It will shock you. You marry somebody like you, it will not be disorganized times two. <laughs> if you don't go and learn how to organize your home, you'll be in trouble. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Say purpose is not synonymous with happiness. <laughs> In fact, an important aspect of purpose is that you must realize that there are some things that are more important than you. Number one. Number two, your life is not about you. You are too small to be at the center of your life. See, the statement I just made is the leading cause of depression in the world right now. Many people think that their lives are about them. That's why they are depressed. You can't, you can't fathom a time when you need to step out of the way and let life run its course. Your life is not about you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You are too small to be at the center of your life. Too small. Too small. <laughs> there has to be a higher purpose. A higher sense of meaning that drives your life. It can't be you. It can't be what makes you happy or how you feel. You are not that important. You are important. And I'm, do you know why I started my teaching last week the way I started it? So that when I get here, you will not say, I say you are not valuable. You are valuable. You are important to God. But you are not that important. <laughs> life shouldn't be about you. Purpose is not synonymous to happiness. And I've heard my teacher say it like this a couple of times. The paradox of purpose is that when you discover the reason you are alive, you'll be ready to die for it. Whatever, whatever you have made the center of your life, you should be, re you should be ready to die for it too. So now, think about it. Those things that drive your life, are you willing to die for them? Are they that important to you? If they aren't, you've not discovered purpose yet. Um, I think it's Hebrews 11.30. These all died in faith. Um, not having received the promises, but they looked and saw from afar off and they confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers. Can you find that verse of scripture? It's in Hebrews 11, um, I think it's verse 30, but I'm not very sure. I want to show you something from it. 39, thank you, 39. I promise you I prepared for this sermon. It's just some things just come into mind while I'm teaching. It says, and these all having obtained a report through faith, received not the promise, verse 40, 
God, no, this is not what I'm looking for. Um, go back to verse 38. 13. Okay, verse 13. Sorry, they are feeding me and I'm telling you what to do, so please. If you're angry, meet Isabel. <laughs> Hurry up, please. All right, thank you. It says, everybody read together once ago. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers. Listen. Um, first and foremost, the conversation on purpose is a conversation on faith. Because um, we've established the purpose of all things, of all men, is to please God. And Hebrews eleven six 6 teaches, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I'm effectively teaching you on faith. Are you with me? Now, read the first line again. These all died in faith, not having received... Hold on. Do you know that Abraham was on this list? What was God's promise to Abraham? First and foremost, it was Isaac. Is that correct? Good. So did, God re- did Abraham receive Isaac or not? He did. Is that correct? Well, he says he died without receiving the promise. Which means the promise was beyond Isaac. Are you with me? He says, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. In Abraham's lifetime, he lent out to kings. So in some way, the nations of the earth were blessed through him. But again, he says, he did not receive the promise. So it means the promise was greater than what he saw there and then. And if you read further, you would learn the promise was Christ. And the work that Christ should do. But this was their predisposition when the promise was made. But having seen them afar off, we are persuaded of them and embraced them. Read the last line together once you go. And confess that they were strangers. There is a way a stranger and a pilgrim behaves. Every year in Nigeria, people travel to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, right? When you travel to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, you don't buy a house in Jerusalem. Is that true? You don't pick up any possessions that you can't take away with you. you, are, Are we together? So at most, you would get a souvenir and go with it. There should be nothing that ties you in the land of your pilgrimage. Are we together? This is the predisposition of the man of purpose. Let not the things of this world ever sway you. Don't have anything that ties you down here. Let there be nothing that you can't let go of. Nothing. This is the predisposition of a man of purpose. Listen, when you truly discover, a lot of people think that when you discover purpose, you now start heaping things upon each other to get to the next level of success. No. In fact, there is a reckless abandon eh, that will come upon you the day you discover purpose. Then we will now start having to balance it from there that we know 
you are a man of purpose, but you are still in this earth. Eh, behave yourself. I'm telling you. Why, why would Paul have to write instructions like the man that does not walk, let him not eat? Because there are people who started to think to themselves, of course, there's, they are the lazy ones. But there are people who started to think, what's the point? My true purpose is Christ. Like Paul, they've said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So whether my life is for Christ, the day I die I even, is greater gain. When you see a person and you observe the way they live, you can tell whether they have a sense of purpose or not. Yes, you can. Yes, Just like in school, when you see somebody that has forgotten why they sent them to school, you will know. There was a young man um, in, my in my extra year, because I wasn't that smart. I had an extra year in school. There was a young man in my extra year who he was our way of knowing if there was Wi-Fi in the hostel. You know. So as at the time I was in school, sometimes the Wi-Fi would trip off. His, I hear it's a lot better now. So sometimes the Wi-Fi would trip off, especially when, um, so then they used to rotate the lights. So they would take the lights in the hostels and give the lights to the classroom in the class period. Then by five, they would bring the lights back in the hostel. And when they take the light, after like 30 minutes, the Wi-Fi would go off, which is understandable, right? Now they don't take the light anymore. But they, they used to do it like that. So this young man, you'll be coming back from class. Once you just see him sitting outside in the corridor, you just know there's Wi-Fi. You wake up in the morning, open the window, ah, there's Wi-Fi. He's sitting on the corridor. All he did in school, morning till night, was browse on Facebook. That was all he did. I'm not joking. Facebook. Not Instagram. Not Twitter. Facebook. He still does it till now. Facebook. He refused to face his books. <laughs> The joke was begging to be told. <laughs> Facebook, I'm telling you, you wake up in the morning and open Facebook. Like he, he used to sit down with his laptop on the corridor. Uh, that's how we know there's Wi-Fi. I'm, like exam day, he won't go for exams. Facebook. Yeah, he dropped out of school. Of course he dropped out of school. And you could tell this one has forgotten why they sent him to school. Are we together? Some people, you go to school. Let me now catch yourself if this is you. You go to school, you get so involved in chapel activities and you forget why they sent you to school. Repent. I went for a conference and then I was on a panel session. I think it was last month. And then it was myself, Pastor Elvis, and Pastor Nelson. And um, we were on the panel session. And then somebody said, when I look at you speaking to me, um, I see a lot of zeal. And it's good to know it started on campus. What's your advice for students who are on campus and want to catch this fire? I said, number one, read your books. <laughs> That's why they sent you to school. Stop looking for fire and read your books. <laughs> After you read your books, you cannot go and catch fire somewhere or read your books. In the same way, when you see a person who is living life without a sense of purpose, you can tell. When you see somebody that is so attached to material things, you will now wonder, doesn't this person know that he will leave this thing and go? You can tell. 
if you don't see, listen, let me tell you something. If you want to make your life have a sense of meaning, give into a very, very healthy culture of sacrifice. Do you hear me? Give into a healthy culture of sacrifice. Praise the Lord. When was the last time you went out of your way? I mean genuinely out of your way to make God's work prosper. Listen, in this church, we are very, very against the prosperity gospel. All right, so things like sow up to go up, you will never hear it here. If I invite a guest preacher, which you hardly, had, actually hardly ever see me do. Some of you would know, in, in the history of Circle Church, I think only three people have preached for me. Reverend Tokes, Daddy Bokwe. Okay, four. Reverend Tokes, Daddy Bokwe, Pastor Mayawa, and Pastor Nelson. Anyone else? And then Pastor. Pastor, Pastor really? Okay, yes. Eh? I can't hear you. You can speak out. You don't. Okay, yes, that was my wedding day. I wasn't around because it was my wedding Thanksgiving, of which I still made it back to church that morning. <laughs> so, I'm not very big on inviting people to preach for us. But if I invite someone to preach, and the person starts saying, "So up," the higher you give, the higher you will go. I will just signal the media team to off the mic, and then I, I always have my own mic beside me. I said, can we put our hands together for this man of God? He has been such a blessing to us. Thank you so much, sir. Your time is up. Please come down. I am not joking. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Because I don't believe in it. However, we cannot throw the baby away with the bathwater. There is a Bible teaching on giving. And the first thing you must learn about the Bible teaching on giving is that it is sacrificial. <laughs> That's the first thing you must know. It will always demand sacrifice. So let me ask you, when was the last time you went entirely out of your way to say, you know what? Let me, it is not a sacrifice if it doesn't take from you. Do you know the, the audience participation has reduced? Well, Leo, please participate. Come back to church. It is not a sacrifice if it doesn't take from you. And somehow, our parents knew this. I fear for the future of the church in Nigeria. I do. And I don't fear because of the people preaching. God has men. He does, oh, he has men. You know what I fear for? The audience. The laity. That is, the people, the, the congregation. I fear for them. Because our generation is happiness above everything else. Including the gospel. Including the gospel. The very thing you exist for. Because that's all God really does care about. When we die, God is not going to wonder if you were poor or you were rich. He's not going to wonder whether men were black or white. Whether you were feminist or not. Do you know he's not going to question all those things? He cares about them now. 
And he instructs us to do those things so that we can have a better life and live with one another in a better way. But that's not what his ultimate chief end is. Do you hear me? When, see, see, I want to tell you something. It will hurt you, but you will accept it because it's the truth. When we all die and we stand before Jesus, there would be people who were tribalistic but believed in Jesus. And there will be you who believes, don't worry, there's no matter, you don't see tribe. The two of you enter the, um, the same heaven. You will enter heaven together. God is not going to say you. Shame is only Yoruba people. Like, oh, yeah, go and look for Yoruba heaven now. <laughs> God is not upset with who you are upset with. Yeah. <laughs> do you hear me? Yes, uh, God does not do the enemy of my, of my friend is my. Mm-mm. He doesn't do that. He's not upset with who you are upset with. The person might be the biggest jerk. Be a, 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 what they call, misogynist, but believes in Jesus. And he has refused to allow the Holy Ghost to work on that misogyny. He will enter heaven with you. <laughs> he will enter heaven with you. Amen. Amen? Or do you think you are more qualified to enter heaven than him? Oh. <laughs> you may not be a misogynistic person, but you have other things that you need to work on. Uh, so you have no right to get man heaven and say, you can't enter into heaven. And no, you can't do that. <laughs> so the only thing God truly, in the end, cares about is salvation of men. God doesn't see rich or poor, Igbo or Yoruba or Asa. Paul said there's no Jew or Greek. None before God. He only sees saved and unsaved. So if you will please him, then... You will work hard to move people from the unsaved category into the saved category with all the resources you have. Listen, you truly begin to understand purpose when you know that the things that were given you were given for the resources. Sorry for the gospel. So, God in a meeting told you, I'm opening up doors of favor to you. And you thought it was for you? You thought the favor was for you? There is such a thing as being rich unto God. Do you hear me? Like that rich man, you stand, you, you have a lot of harvest, and you say, oh, my soul, be merry, rejoice, uh, tear down the band, build a bigger one. And go. The, the, the Bible says, God answered him and said, you fool, uh, tonight your soul will be required, unto, um, required of you. Why? Because you are not rich unto God. Some of us don't have a plan for the gospel in our finances. You save, you save 60% of your income and there is no plan for the gospel in your finances. You don't see how that's a problem? And you know what is terrible? Many of these people are the chief complainers. I don't know what this generation is turning into. I fear for the future. I fear. <laughs> but the gospel that is supposed to position itself to help, you are not giving towards it. You don't fund it. You don't do anything for it. Nothing. Where is your sense of sacrifice? Where is your sense of sacrifice? Praise the Lord. Commitment. See, purpose will demand commitment from you. 
and it will demand sacrifice from you. And you will sacrifice, oh. You will sacrifice. You will sacrifice. Not just money, your comfort, your time, your resources, your energy. Make sure that you listen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Many people, many people would say, I think next week I'm going to teach on something called the zeal of the Lord. I'll speak on it in person now. Many people will say, when they see a man of God walking tirelessly for the gospel, they would say, ah, he is grace. He is not grace. It's not always grace. Sometimes it is something called the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. When you have given yourself so much over to a thing that you want to spend and be spent for it. Many people don't have anything in their life that works like that for them. If that is you, let me invite you to consider the gospel. Or you think, you think it is grace that a man lost his son on Saturday and sat before the world on Sunday and preached. One lost his wife Sunday, preached the same day. You think it's grace? It's zeal. And if you don't have any, it is a terrible thing for a young person to have nothing that drives them. Because now you have energy. By the time you are older and there is no energy, you will just be wasting away, waiting to die. You better pick up a sense of purpose now. It's zeal. It is zeal that drives such behavior. Two years ago, we were going through a tough time. I would go from the house early in the morning, wake up, drive straight to the hospital, be with my wife. Then from the hospital, come straight to church. You think it's, it's grace? No. It's zeal. Last year, my, my grandmother died. We were going for her burial. Now, I had the option to go very early in the morning and get there on time. No. My wife and I decided, you know what? We cannot be out of church. So we preached. Then from here, started traveling to Imo State. At a difficult... Because at that time, it was so um, dangerous. Because at checkpoints... Military men no longer wore military uniforms because they will kill them. You know when army starts to fear for their lives? It's a dangerous period. That was exactly how we traveled. And you think it was the easiest route would have been take a flight Sunday morning, land there, go to... It would have been easy. But how can I wake up on a Sunday and I'm not preaching in church? How? But many people, you wake up Sunday morning, you are satisfied. You are not going to church. You are okay. Where is your sense of purpose? Because these are the, these are the little things that tell us that you have a sense of purpose. Are you with me? Are you with me? Your parents didn't send you to school to read your books. They sent you to school to pass and come out with a good grade. Now, some people achieve that the wrong way. Those people, your parents, don't, when they give you your result and your result says A, your parents don't ask you this A, did you get it honestly or dishonestly? They're just happy with you. They hope you got it honestly, but they're happy with you. However, when we see you playing around and you're not reading, we know that you're forgotten while you're in school. So your purpose is not to come to church every, mon- every Sunday morning, but it is a way we can tell. It's something we can look at and say, ah, this person has a sense of purpose. Sunday morning, you're not in church. There's nothing wrong. 
There's nothing keeping you at home. In fact, some of us, we look for the slightest excuse to not be in church. I woke up this morning and I just noticed that the shirt I wanted to wear is, there was a stain. So I'm not coming again. You don't have any other shirt. There's no other shirt in your wardrobe. If it was a job interview, would you say that? Say, hello, can we reschedule this interview for tomorrow? Um, I woke up this morning and the shirt is not giving. So... And if what you are thinking in your heart right now is that that's a job interview, is somehow more important, uh, it's who I'm talking to. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Listen, you will develop a sense of sacrifice. Things must be done sacrificially. Do you hear what I'm saying? Things must be done sacrificially. You wake up every, every day in the morning. You take a bus. You live in Egbeda. You walk on the island. You live far away. You walk on the island. And you don't walk remotely. You take a bus to walk and take a bus back every day. Every, see, you live in Yaba. You walk on the island. Every day you commute to and fro. And some, for some of you, it's not even in comfort. But once it is church, you're, you're looking for the one closest to your house. I understand the need for comfort, right? But when will you say, it won't matter, it's church, it, it deserves my sacrifice, so let me be doing it. I'll be going until I find a good church close. So, so why didn't you walk at the nearest employment place near your house. They probably posted on your gate that they're looking for a salesperson <laughs> in the pharmacy near your house. Why did you go there and apply for a job? You say, all money is money. But they say, is it not church? God and God is the same everywhere. For some people, it's not work. You commute far to make your hair, but you can't make the journey to, to church. <laughs> you can't make the journey. To, see, please, oh, let us develop a sense of sacrifice. Are you with me? So my money, my time, my energy, my relationships, my resources. Uh, uh, uh. At certain points in your life, you must have, if I die, I die moments. You know your life has meaning when you are living that way. Uh, do you know the interesting thing? Many of us, at some point, we say, oh, die and I die. Something will kill a man, and you do it. But you never make that decision for things that truly count, or things that truly matter. All die and I die, something will kill a man. You carry your full salary and go and buy an iPhone. But you have never given your full salary to church or the gospel before. Okay, you know what? Church used to steal your money. Take that money and send people to school. You've never done it. Take that money and buy Bibles for people on the street. You've never done it. Take it and print tracts for people to be saved. You've never done it, but all die. Now die. Your priorities show. Your priorities show. iPhone. After two years, you'll change it. 
you will still change it. You know, it, it does not pass two years. You know, we used to form like we are modest. So you bought the 14. It's time for the 15. Say, no, now. I just bought the 14. But once the 16 comes out, I say, ah, this my phone is beginning to look old. Have a sense of sacrifice. And let God be able to call you, call sacrifice out of you. Let me tell you four benefits of sacrifice. Number one. Before that, open to Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. I'm wrapping up the teaching now. Matthew 16, 25. He says, everybody read together, want to go. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake. If I am living my life to save my life, I will lose it. What is Jesus saying? If every day I wake up and at the center of my thoughts is myself, I will lose myself. And you don't need to look too far. Some people around you are depressed and it's because of this very thing I'm saying. Every day I wake up and I'm at the center of my thoughts, I will lose myself. But if I let go of myself for the sake of Jesus, I will truly find my life. So Jesus is saying that the meaning of life can only be found in him. When I'm ready to sacrifice my life, let it go. There, there, was, a, there was a confession that Pastor Adat um, led us in when, this morning. I will not, was it, was it Pastor David that said it? I will not put my hands on the plow and turn back. Oh, no, 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 no. This work of Christianity I'm doing, I'm all in. It's not one leg in, one leg out. I'm all in. That's when you truly start to see growth as a Christian. Listen, what I'm saying may not sound too nice to you, but if you hear the word of the Lord, had not your heart. It's the truth. You don't see real spiritual maturity until you, God said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your hearts. Bishop Oyedepo will always say, God is either God of all or God of none. You can't give God half. It's not interested. Jesus says, he that will save his life, he will lose it. But he that will lose his life for my sake shall find it. This is the reason why many times the Bible will say that the, 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 the disciples will be persecuted and they would rejoice because they were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. You think it's, you think it's grace? That was not grace. That's a sense of purpose. That's a sense of purpose. When a mother has a child, and that child becomes everything she lives for, if anything wants to happen to that child, you will often hear her pray to God, God, instead of taking this person, take my life. Because when you discover something to live for, you'll be ready to die for it. It's a terrible thing for a young person to not have anything they're willing to die for. You're just coasting along. You're just... This energy you have, it will soon dissipate. It will soon go away. Then you will be stuck in a routine. We look at our parents and we wonder, why are they not making moves? They don't have the strength. They don't have the strength. Where I am is okay. I'm stuck in this routine now. You, you have energy. If your house, the, your landlord is doing anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. You just, you, instead of landlord to serve you quick notice, you serve him quick notice. 
Once it's time to renew your rent, you pack your things and go and look for somewhere else. It gets to a point where you will now start telling, oh yeah, how can we make it work? Let's make it I don't have the stress to start looking for house. It is good for a man to bear his yoke in his youth. And we are all young people. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now is the time to bear your yoke. Don't think that it's when you are older you will start making these sacrifices. Make them now. So that your life will count for something when you are older. Make them now. Make those sacrifices now. Refuse to date that person now. The way time flies. The way time flies. So I'm just, I'm just dating for a while. A while, three years have passed. In those three years, you have finished school, you've done NYSC, you are ready to settle down. So when that a while is coming to an end, you now realize I don't have any other choice but to marry this person. So start making those sacrifices now. Do you hear me? Benefits of, of sacrifice. Number one, sacrifice gives you the finishing grace. Like Abraham, God will call you out of a town. And you will start that journey. And because you've already made the sacrifice to start, you will push yourself to finish it. Many times, you start and you don't finish because many of the things you are doing are not challenging enough. It took nothing for you to start. So it will take nothing for... If, if... See, let me tell you something here. If you carry all your money and you put it inside the business, or is it that the business succeeds or it succeeds over? Ah, I sold everything I put inside this business for it to work. I must succeed. Yeah, that's what sacrifice does to you. See, there's a story that is told of a man and a woman who went to see a marriage counselor. And the counselor, they went to see the counselor because they wanted to get a divorce. So he listened to them. The man was complaining, the woman does this, this, this. The woman was saying, the man does X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. So the man says, okay, no problem. I will indulge your, your, this thing. But here's the challenge I will give you. Go home and to the man, treat your wife like a queen for one year. To the woman, treat your husband like a king for one year. Come back and let me know. If you, um, come back and then we'll go ahead with the divorce proceedings. For some reason, the two of them went back and indulged. And in one year, they came back and said, we're not divorcing again. Because this is it. Affection is trained by actions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Affection is trained by actions. If you want to love a woman more, spend your money on her. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You want to love somebody, you want to love somebody, carry your money and spend it. Same for you. Because you have shouted, yes, sir. Spend your money on your man. There's that part. Whatever you put in actions towards, you develop affections for. 
you want to love bags, buy bags. <laughs> spend your money, spend your time, spend resources on it. When, you, when you've spent time looking at bags, I, I was, the other day my wife and I and a member of church were standing at balcony and we were watching cars drive by. And then I know cars, right? So I was like, oh, this is a discount. And she was like, how do you know the year? I said, ah, it's two things. Number one, I've been looking for car to buy. When you have researched car to buy plenty, you will know the car when you see it passing. Then number two, there's a way you tell from the taillights, the eyes, the grills, the cover of the car, all of those. So, so <laughs> if you want to love a thing, put in action towards it. If you want to love the gospel, spend on it. Do you understand? Spend money, spend time, spend on it. Spend your energy on it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want to love God more. I want to love God more. How much of your money have you given to God? How much of your time have you given to God? How much of your energy have you given to God? Join a work circle. Join a work circle. That must be very nice. I commend everybody that is joining the work circle. Thank you all so much for the work you do. Thank you for all you represent to this church. But you have not joined. When I was, I was about to start ministry, I was telling one of my pastor friends, I said, I don't think I'm going to take an offering in church. If you know me, you know I'm very fidgety around asking people for money. You must have even noticed, whenever I have to do it, I will now start, I will now start saying, so it's not like I want to just do your best. Because I, I hate asking people for money. But he told me, number one, if you don't ask, you won't have. But number two, and more importantly, you don't ask people to give only because of you. You ask people to give, to give them an opportunity to express devotion. And I think it's true. I think it's true. Sacrifice helps you to start and to finish. Number two, sacrifice or Let's rephrase, let's rephrase it this way. A man of purpose will not have his journey terminated prematurely. A man of purpose will not have his journey terminated prematurely. You see that prayer of, um, I will not die an untimely death. It's an unnecessary prayer. If you live in purpose, you won't. God preserves his investments. Do you hear what I'm saying? God preserves his investments. There are people, sir, that don't even know to pray that prayer. The day God preserved your life from death, you didn't pray that prayer. You probably didn't even pray at all. <laughs> God preserves his investments. I'm not saying you should never pray that prayer. No. But I'm saying, if you live in purpose, you will find out that, ah, could possible. When God is telling you three years from now, you'll be doing X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Two years from now, by the time the devil comes to you today, you say, ah, you didn't get the memo. I have work to do in three years' time. You are, you are too early. Go and wait for me. <laughs> in front. 
I'm telling you the truth. God preserves his investments. It's true. The devil will not just terminate your life like that. You won't. You are preserved by purpose. Number three, a sense of purpose inhibits depression. A sense of purpose and sacrifice inhibits depression. Praise the Lord. Many of us, we have a sense of depression because we feel like failures. But the thing about purpose is, when you know what purpose is, and the chief end of where you are going to, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, you know I'm still getting there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? When you have the idea that purpose is not about success, it's not about who has more or less, it won't matter who has more than you. We keep looking at other people's things because we, we subconsciously have a sense of self-worth in the things we own. So we begin to feel down when somebody else has better than we do. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they will bury me naked. They will bury you naked. It's true. Like, see, this is a thing you can help yourself with. When somebody, are, when you start to feel that sense of what am I doing with my life? Where am I going to? Look at this person, they've bought a car. You will now remind yourself that. But when we both die now, they will bury this person naked. They will bury me naked. So in the grave, we are the same. So when we now stand before God, this car will not be there. They would have bought, somebody else would have bought the car. Or somebody else is using the car. So when we stand before God, the car won't matter. So I rest my soul in the fact that it doesn't matter. Do you hear me? Don't buy a car because your friends have cars. Don't buy a fine car, this type of car, to outdo somebody else. Somebody's car will be better than your own. You know, there are some pastors, they want to drive the finest car in the church. You will die of hypertension. <laughs> when we started this ministry, there was a member of this church. She used to live with us in Festac. She used to drive me to church in a Range Rover. Even now, I know if you buy a Range Rover. She used to drive me to church in a Range Rover. She was using an iPhone 11 or 10 at the time. That was the latest iPhone. I was using Techno Canon something. doesn't matter. I'm still her pastor. She must still learn under my ministry. So I can do my work freely. Knowing, See, many people get a sense of low self-esteem because of this. You don't have a sense of purpose. You don't know who you are and where you are going to. So you see a pastor that cannot talk to a member of the church because the person has money. Far be it from me. 
Like your money perish with you. <laughs> Far be it from me. How much do you have? Who are you? Far, there's nobody I cannot talk to. Nobody. Do you know there's nobody I can't look in the eyes like this? Nobody. The other day, some military men came here during setup. Some of the boys were saying, I went to me, I shook him. What do you want? You are trespassing. This is our space. What do you want? You've been going if you're not doing it. He said, I introduced himself. I greeted him. He greeted him. Go away. <laughs> God. You have a sense of purpose. You shine away. He has more money than me. You are intimidated by money. <laughs> maybe, maybe because I've pastored for a while. So there's something I've discovered. All humans are humans. There was a time I put out a, a prayer, this thing. I wanted to pray for people. So people DM'd me. One of the people that DM'd me was a famous person. She DM'd me and said, keep it private. I said, I'll keep it private. I don't even follow her. She doesn't follow me. So I kept it private. But when she was telling me her story, it was too similar with other people's stories. I was like, ah, with all your fame, you said you did. Because <laughs> all humans are humans. Do you get what I'm saying? The car, the house, is just an appendage. It's not who you are. <laughs> I will look you in the eyes and talk to you. Shake your hands. How do you do? <laughs> Some people say, I will never agree to talk to you because you are not a good person. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then number four, the last one. Sacrifice creates capacity. Sacrifice creates capacity. When God should tell you to give everything you have, and you've given everything you have, and you now have to trust Him for food that month, you will learn faith by force. <laughs> you will learn faith by force. And the interesting thing is that faith will help you later. When God told us to move out of 16B, how many of you are with us in 16B? Raise your hand. 16B was a terrible place. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was a small space, not very big, maybe like from the stage to like here. Not very big, right? And we were using it for service. Now, every other day is like the Incredible Hulk because every other day it is a bar. Up until Sunday morning, 9.30, it becomes a church. Sunday morning, past 12, 1 o'clock, it returns back to being a bar. So on many occasions, we would come to church, and the place would be smelling of weed, alcohol. So we would not have to clean, mop, spray perfume. One of those days, Pastor Aaron was living in Abuja at the time. He entered Lagos, and he paid a surprise visit to church. I was so embarrassed. Uh, because that day, it was smelling like weed. Seriously. Right? And then, September, God told us, move. It's time for you to move. I said, how far now? It's not possible. <laughs> because at the time, the rent was okay for us. Right? We were paying 60000 naira if, if the month had five Sundays. So it was fair for us. It was a stretch, but it was fair. God told us to move. So I started announcing we are moving since September. We're taking, we're not taking extra offering to move. But we refused to move. Never made that move. 
See, if God is telling you to do something, all those short, short steps you are doing so that you can now do it, just ignore all of those steps and do what God said you should do. We're taking an offering. The offering never got enough to pay more than 60K rents in a month. So January came. So we had been there September, October, November, December, January. The whole of January. Last Sunday in January, I finished preaching like this. He died, we died, all of that. In Jesus' name, we went out, took pictures. The manager came to meet me. Please don't come back again. I said, ha, don't come back. How? I said, don't come back again. Don't renew your rent. Don't come back. This is your last Sunday. I said, ah, it cannot be our last Sunday now. What do you mean by it? He says, your last Sunday. I said, okay, no problem. I didn't announce it yet. I went to the house. We started looking for a hall. We looked the entire week. We didn't find. What God had told me before was that we should go to Leisure Mall. That's September. He said, I should go to Leisure Mall. I said, uh-uh. Leisure Mall? Do you know how much Leisure Mall's rent is per Sunday? I said, God, you don't know what you're talking about. We looked, looked, looked. Long story short, God sent me to somewhere that we had gone to before that they turned us down. I went there. I said, Hi. My name is, ah, I said, ah, who are you? What school? I said, Covenant. Ah, you're my brother. I said, yes. Yeah. So he said, ah, good. What do you want? We want a hall. When do you want to start? This Sunday, because we don't have anywhere to do Sunday service. How much are you willing to pay? I said, how much is the hall? He said, 80,000. I said, sir, 80,000 for the month? He said, no, 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 for this Sunday. Exactly. That was my reaction. <laughs> So I begged, and he said, okay, pay 60. I said, okay, we'll pay 60. Now, in Circle Church Global, <laughs> worldwide, all we had in our account was about 60,000 naira. So I carried it and paid the rent for one Sunday. <laughs> and we came, we announced, we have moved. People are like, this place is lovely. We love this place, it's fine. As soon as that Sunday service finished, I was not thinking that, wait, 60,000 has finished. The ha. We still need to pay another 60,000. But this was something interesting. Every Sunday, we found that 60,000, we paid it. Every Sunday. Till COVID. We stayed in that place for about six or seven Sundays. Then COVID came. We were paying and paying and paying. So when COVID was lifted, I just said, you know what? Let's go to Ozone. Um, to Leisure Mall. We went to Leisure Mall. The manager asked me, what's your budget? I said, 60000 per Sunday. I said, I will take it. And he gave us the whole space. That was how we started using Leisure Mall. God stretched. He forced us out of 16B. He forced us out of that place to a place where we're paying what we would pay in a month in one Sunday. And when God was asking me, he said, has any Sunday gone that you didn't pay your rent? I said, no, sir. He said, move. How God trains your faith is by demanding sacrifice. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you weren't hearing double when you heard in your spirit, give everything away. Say, ha. You were not hearing double. It wasn't double. It was God that was talking to you. I know what I'm saying. 
Do you hear me? Yes, it's not double you were hearing. Sacrifice will stretch you. But the mind is elastic. So once it has stretched, and it has been stretched well enough, it increases its capacity. Because, let me tell you, if God didn't force us out of 16B, do you know that we'll probably not be here? We may still be there. And many of you won't be here. Do you hear what I'm saying? When it was time for us to leave Ozone, God told me, leave. I said, I've heard you. I don't need to argue. We moved here. Rent was almost, at first it was the same, then it became times two of what we used to pay before per Sunday. I said, well, if God said, it's fine. We'll make the sacrifice. Convenience is the enemy of progress. Convenience is the enemy of progress. So if God wants to progress your life, many times he will demand sacrifice from you. He will demand it. Say, take everything you have, give it. We've often thought of sacrifice as a way to make God happy. That when you sacrifice so much, God will say, wow, you did this for me? Take plenty money. No, sometimes that's not it. Sometimes the reward of sacrifice is capacity. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes the reward of, is enlarged capacity. I can now take it more. Somebody asked me what my rent was in second church every month. I told him. So for those that don't know, we pay more than 500,000 monthly on rent. And that's putting it mildly. In this facility alone. Same with the Abuja church. So when he was asking me for the rent amount, and I told him, he said, you people have money. I said, no, we don't. We don't really have like that. But I've learned that in working with God, if God tells you to spend it, spend it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm, spend it. That like the woman, this is the last thing I'm going to say, we'll pray now. Like the woman, Elijah can come into your house and ask you, do you have anything that I can eat? And the woman will say, we have just one small bread and some oil. And Elijah now says, make me a meal. He said, this is the last one. I want me and my, my son should eat it like this now. The end, oh. To God be the glory. Obituary. Then Elijah looks at the two of them and says, make me a meal. You would say, oh, no. He was being very insensitive. No. No. He knew what he was doing. Make me a meal. Use this last thing. Then let me open your mind up to believe for more. Because many times, the little we have in our hand does not allow us to open up for the more God wants to give us. So sometimes God will demand that you take away that little, give it out, so that there will be space for more. So your prayer for open heavens has been unanswered because the heavens have opened, but where the blessings should go to, you've refused to empty it. I know I'm preaching good. So, sacrifice creates room for a large capacity. It does. Your faith increases. I remember the month when I was in school. 
God asked me to give out my entire pocket money. It wasn't much. It was just 30K at that time. He asked me to give out my full pocket money. I carried my 30,000 naira and gave it out. I didn't even know anything. But what I learned was trust. Do you understand? That you now begin to trust God. Because when your next meal is literally God that big, you will learn to trust him. When God says, wait, you wait. Morning, no, has come. It has gone. Afternoon, come. You have not eaten. Night, it's coming. It's going. And you are saying, it's like I'll just do fasting, dry fasting. See, tomorrow, then God now sends food your way. Literally, God sends me to give you food. You will now learn. There's now an important lesson you have learned. That it may look late to me, but God is on time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to do two things. I'm sorry I've taken so much of your time. We're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to pray and say that, Lord, help me to let go of the things that I have held on to ever so tightly. Pray, oh, pray, pray. For some of you, it's money. Let's go of that money. For some people, it's status, social validation. For some other people, it's relationships. Let, Lord, let me walk in purpose. I'll give you 30 seconds to pray. Pray. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. The second thing we're going to do this morning is on... I'm going to give you an opportunity to sacrifice, right? I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, even if I ought to for accountability's sake. I want to believe that the Holy Ghost will keep you accountable. But if the Lord has laid it on your heart to give sacrificially, either to the church or to the pastors or to even somebody beside you, a member of church, but the Lord has laid it on your heart to give sacrificially, this is the instruction I'm going to give. Um, if it is to the church, that is, if it is to the church, there is a rent account on the offering envelopes that you have. Do your givings to that account. You can remain anonymous if you want, because some people don't like to be known. That's fine. But I would rather that you don't so that I can pray with you and pray for you. If it is to me, just send me a message. If it is to any of the pastors, send them a message. If it is to somebody sitting right next to you or somebody the Lord has laid on your heart for a while, reach out to them. Send them a message. After the service, go and meet them and say, I think the Lord has, wants me to give you some money. But make sure that 
you obey the instruction to sacrifice. Are we together? It may be your time. So God has been laying it on your heart to sacrifice your time or your talents for the church or for the things of God. If that is you, after this service, please see Pastor David. He will put you through. You may not even end up joining the workforce, right? But he will put you through on what to do in order to perfect that sacrifice. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. All right. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you because we've grown and we've been edified by the word. Be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.